0: Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. This series is called Reset. I don't know how long you've been coming. Maybe it's your first time, and if it is, welcome. But if you've been a few weeks, has Reset helped you at all? We want to reset some things. It's helped nobody here. Y'all are just like, oh Lord, get to the next series, please. We want to help you reset some things. That's what this party year is kind of for. Resetting, starting fresh. My wife does this thing called whole 30. Y'all know about it? Y'all, y'all don't like it, but you know about it. Well, my wife, it's whole foods for 30 days. It's tough. I tried it once. I made it like 10 days. I a whole 10. All right, I couldn't quite do it. And I've been talking about whole 30, but for me, um, I'm more into a diet I call whole pizza. Right? Whole pizza is delicious. Y'all know about whole pizza? Y'all know about it? I love whole pizza. People ask me, they say, T-Lane, you seem like you're into fitness. I say I am into fitness. Fitness whole pizza in my mouth. Fitness whole whole nugget tray in my mouth. Fitness whole donut in my mouth. I think we're all into fitness in that regard. I want to see how into whole pizza you are. I have some pizzas. I want to see your pizza knowledge. I want to see if you're seriously committed to this. So this is a pizza I found via Google search. What, what what pizza is this? Y'all are saying DiGiorno. You think it's DiGiorno? Now, they claim it to be Domino's. I say false. But this is actually from Domino's. My, my crust at Domino's is always more cardboardy than this. But it's supposed to be Domino's. The next one's easy. Y'all know the next one? Y'all know this? Papa, what gave it away? It's the sauce. That when everyone's gone, you just... You just have a little sip. The sauce is good. The sauce is trouble. Um, this is Donato's. Y'all know Donato's? Donato's is my new my new go-to. I love Donato's. At team night, we have Donato's. And there's one. It's got pickles. And it's got chicken on it. And rant. hot chicken in the third row. Lexi, I see you. I see you. Y'all don't believe me. There it is. Y'all thought it was a lie. It's up there. It's delicious. At team night, we have hot chicken pizza. And other kinds, if that's not your thing. Chill out, okay? but it's a good time. It's a good time at team night. That's whole pizza. And the reason I want to talk to you about pizza, you know why? Because pizza brings me joy. Does it bring anyone else joy? It's a little bit. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about resetting joy and there's no better way to set the tone than showing everyone who's getting ready for lunch, a bunch of pictures of pizza. Okay. So now you're real, real hungry. Let's, let's jump in. Let's pray. And we'll kick this bad boy off. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you that we can celebrate and, um, Honestly, God just glorify you. That's why we're here. Help us never forget we're not here for us. Um, we're here for you. We're thankful for you. We thank you that we can gather. We thank you that we can celebrate. And we just love you. God help us keep an open mind and help no one be too offended today. In your son's good sweet name, amen. Amen. I want to ask you a question before we start. Why are more people not in church right now? Now I don't mean here, I mean like across the world. Because I would say your average friend, family member, coworker probably is not in church. They're probably not. In Hampton Roads, one in five adults is actively connected to a church. One in five. That's one of the reasons we came here. That's one of the reasons we planted a church here because I almost tripped. Because we're not cool with that. We're not cool with that number. We want to help you explore faith in a fun and authentic atmosphere. We want to be a place you can bring your friends. If they've been in church their whole life, they can come and feel right at home and fit in. But if they've never been to church in their life and they're like, I ain't going to church, they'll still come, enjoy the donut, and maybe even enjoy the sermon, okay? That's what we want to do. That's who we want to be. But I think the reason more people are in church is because they think it's maybe boring, right? Maybe people think they're going to get judged and they had a rough enough week. I don't need to come and get told I'm a failure for an hour each week. I think it boils down to this. I think more people aren't in church because most people don't understand who Jesus is. I think if you honestly understood him, see who he is, see what he did, know what he said, this this place would be packed out because people just don't quite get it. They don't understand. And today we're going to do something interesting. We're going to look at his very first public miracle, his very first one. And this is a big deal because that would kind of be his calling card, would it not? It's kind of announcing, this is who I am. This is what I'm all about, baby. And it's different than you might expect. Have we got any football fans in the house? do we have any bandwagon patriots fans i didn't oh that's not my notes why did i say that any bitter eagles fans got a few respect respect the third row is alive today i like i'm gonna preach right to y'all all day i like this I like this a lot. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be good. Well, if you watch a football game, especially the Super Bowl, there's so much time to prepare. The first drive, the first play even, sets the tone. It sets the tone for the whole game, saying, okay, we're going to pass, we're going to throw. We're going to be aggressive, we're we're going we're, we're going to play it safe. It shows so much about who you are, and Jesus' first miracle does the same thing. But it's not what you might expect. It's not what I would have done if I were Jesus. I would have done something like, I don't know, raise someone from the dead. That's pretty good. Heal someone. I might fly around a little bit if I could. Walk on water. I would do something like that. What he did was turn water into wine. And you made all oh, the moms said, amen. <laughs> and Yes, amen. Praise God. Um, and that's a cool miracle. But at service level, I always thought it was just kind of like a party trick. Like, that's a cool thing to do, but that, that really is your first miracle. That is the thing which you want to be known for for the rest of time. This is how I'm making my announcement. Let's dig in. Let's dig in. John 2, 1. You can follow along behind me, or if you'd like to check out the app U version, we got all the notes in there for you. John 2, 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Someone got engaged. Someone was getting married. Say, isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet? In Christian colleges, do you know what they call it? They call it, they're trying to get that ring by spring. <laughs> they want that ring by graduation in spring, trying to get that hashtag ring by spring. I had a girl tell me one time she wanted her MRS degree, and I said, MRS degree, master's? Of... She's like, no, like, missus, I want to get a ring, and I was like, okay, this was not Helen, that's my wife, don't, don't worry, it wasn't her, but um, in Christian colleges, sometimes there's this pressure, Okay to get engaged, to to get married. Somebody was getting married. That's fun. That's cute. Jesus' mother was there, okay? And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Okay, cool, cool. When the wine was gone, isn't that a great segue? Y'all missed it. Let me read it again. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited. When the wine was gone, like, that's funny, That's funny to me. It should be funny to you, too. That's pretty funny. That's a great little segue. When it was gone, Jesus' mama said to him, they have no more wine. Now, some of you are like, yeah, you know what? My mom, too, would be the first to notice the wine is gone. (laughs) You're like, I get it. I relate to you. I'm with you. My first person would be like, they're they're, they're out. They're out of wine. Jesus said something interesting. He said, woman, why do you involve me? (laughs) If I said to my, my mother, woman, you would need a new preacher next week. I would be gone. I'd be in a hospital somewhere. I'd be strung up. I would be in bad shape. My my mom probably greeted you on the way in. She's wonderful. She's very sweet. And there's more to this than meets the eye. Some of your Bibles soften it. It says, dear woman. It's actually pretty harsh the way he says it. He says, woman. It's almost like he's saying, why do you involve me? It's not time yet. Why are you bothering me? We'll talk about this very soon. Keller says in 2006 that this seems like a miraculous solution to a mere social embarrassment. This is your calling card. This is how you're going to show everyone. This is who I am. This is what I came to do. We're at a party. It's getting a little boring. Presto change. Oh, here's some more wine. That's exactly what happens. But let me ask you, if your life was compared to a party, how would it be running? Like, is this a thriving rager party? I'm happy to get up. I'm coming early. I'm staying late. Or is the party winding down a little bit? Is it struggling a little bit? Is it, are you, is it limping along? Is there a lot of awkward moments, a lot of awkward silence? Don't know where to turn, don't know what to do. You see, we may have elevated something in our lives. And we may be using that thing to run the party, to give us fire in the morning, to give us momentum at night, to, to really get us up and moving and going and motivated. Sometimes we take a created thing and we elevate it to the place that only the creator can occupy. Because I came to tell you, when you are trusting something other than God to run the show, to run your party, it's only going to let you down. It's only going to run out. It's only going to come eventually to a grinding halt. Maybe you were there. Maybe you're not there yet. But trust me when I tell you, it won't last forever. The joy will not last forever. It will run out. The party will die. Well, it's funny to me about Christianity. People say, ah, too many rules. Ah, boring. I don't want to follow Jesus because it's boring. Do you know who you've rejected? You've rejected someone who comes to a party and makes 150 gallons of the choice wine, the best wine to breathe life into the party, to keep it going. That's what you said. I don't have time for that. Don't have time for the joy. Don't have time for the mirth. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Did you know that's who you were rejecting? Him. Him. Jesus says, I am going to make it so in your life you never thirst again. He said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it to the full. Does that sound boring to you? Does that sound terrible? Does that sound miserable to you? Now, Jesus also came to suffer. He also came to die. And don't miss that. If you follow him, there will be tough times. There will be challenges. He will stretch you and grow you in ways you didn't even think possible. But that's all a means to an end. We constantly see in scripture, this picture of the end times, this picture of heaven, where the groom, that's God is joined with the bride. That's a church forever in this festival, this party, this celebration that never ends. That's what we have to look forward to. Why do little things bother you? Like if you're prepping for a party and some little happened, would you let it ruin your day? If you knew the absolute best time of your entire life was coming, that's what each Christian has to look forward to. Nothing but joy, nothing but mirth, nothing but hope and fullness and life. Y'all, nothing should ever bother us. Jesus is about to reveal himself as the true master of ceremonies, as the true Lord of the feast, who comes to bring joy, who comes to bring wine. Now, before we get into this, can we talk about alcohol for a moment? Y'all are like, oh, Lord, I should have stayed home today. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Is it a sin or is it not? Because Christians are funny. Because Christians are funny. Because Some Christians will drink. Some Christians will not drink. And they'll look at you like, hmm. Some Christians will drink, but won't talk about it. Like, Christians will be, this is what Christians will do. They'll be at Total Wine, walking around, doing their thing. Yeah, Total Wine. But you'll be at Total Wine, and you'll see someone from church, and you'll be like, wait, this isn't TJ Maxx thought I was in Marshalls. How did I get here? Where, where am I? You almost, you almost play dumb a little bit. So what's going on? You see, scripture says obey the law of the land, meaning this, if you ain't 21, it's illegal. Okay. If you're under, nobody go home who's 19 and say, Pastor T said I could drink wine. I want to be like the Lord. So I'm gonna have a sip now and then. Don't you play that. Don't, don't you put that on me. Don't you do it. You see, Satan, that's the devil. He cannot create, but he is creative. Here's what I mean. He cannot create anything. He cannot make anything. He wants to be like God. He tries to, he cannot create, but he is creative. Meaning he can twist God's gifts, God's good creation, like wine, into something that's destructive. For example, money, resources. These are good things. How are you going to feed your family without money or resources? How are you going to start a church? How are you going to feed the homeless without money or resources? These are good things. But Satan will twist it. And you may be tempted to live your life all about consumerism, all about stuff, all about this, all about that. That's a destructive place to be. Sex is a good thing. God made sex. Some of y'all said, amen. Okay. But the point is this. The point is this. Satan will twist it. Don't give Satan credit for that. Okay. He'll twist it. Good thing. He's going to twist it. Now we have lust. We have adultery. We have porn. He makes it destructive. Proverbs 20 verse 1 says this. It says, Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Meaning, if you're led astray, that's the point. I think this is what scripture is telling us. This is the point. Wine is a good thing, but hey, let me tell you, when it starts leading you astray, you're at, you're at the point. When it starts affecting your decisions, when it starts affecting your mood, Christians are infamous of putting created things at the level that only the Holy Spirit should occupy. We say things all the time. Need that to get through my day. Need that to clear my head. It's three o'clock. I need some of that. Christians talk about coffee the way we should talk about Jesus. We do. We love coffee. We talk about some, like I could say a sentence and you're like, is that Jesus or the whole, or or coffee? I could say this. Best way to start my morning. I really feel centered after spending my time with you know who. At three o'clock, if I don't have that, oh, I start to fall apart. You're like, are you talking about Espresso or the Holy Spirit? Because that's what we talk about it. We're, I'm, hey, I'm not saying don't enjoy things. I'm saying, look, don't let it affect your decisions. Don't let it become an idol. When, it's, when you start to feel like I need that, got to have that, or I can't think clearly, or I'm going to collapse, or I'm not going to make it through the day, you're in danger. You're in danger. But yo, look, God made good things. He wants us to enjoy them. I love coffee. I love the gym. I love pre-workout. Anybody else? Amen. Wine, good things. Enjoy it, just be careful not to rely on it. Another verse that guides our decisions is Romans Romans 14, 13 and 19. Follow me on this, this is good. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Meaning this, in our walk with Jesus, are you helping someone or hurting them? By drinking, by doing anything, are you helping their walk with Christ? Or are you putting some in front of them? They're just going to trip and fall on. That's not the role of a brother. A brother is to guide, is to help, is to advance, not to cause someone to trip. I love verse 19. He's recapping. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. That's a good rule for any decision you're about to make. Those two things. I'm about to do X. Does it do these two things? Does it lead to peace? And mutual upbuilding. Meaning, does it lead to peace or conflict? Does it, does it build me up? Does it build you up? If so, go for it. Can I have a beer with the boys? Does it lead to peace? Does it build you up, build them up? Yeah, then go for it. Well, he, he, you know, he was an alcoholic. Well, then no, you shouldn't wave it in someone's face. Okay, how about this? Can I have a glass of wine with the girls? Does it lead to peace? Mutual upbuilding? Yeah, well, okay, enjoy it. When we say stumbling block, some Christians, I think, take this too far. We'll say, oh, someone could stumble, so I shouldn't do that. We could take that all the way. We could say, I shouldn't have social media because someone might compare themselves and stumble. Someone might like my house or my kids or my car or the neighborhood. We could cause trouble. We shouldn't do that. Same with the cars. You could say, well, if I I got a nice car, someone might look at that. They may go into a lot of debt to keep up. They may feel like I'm providing for my kids. They're not providing for theirs. So that, that might cause some guilt. Maybe we shouldn't drive nice cars. Let's talk about food for a second because the Christians I know, I love you. You care a lot about what other people are drinking, but you have nothing to say about what they're eating. Because if someone has a sip of wine, shame on you, but you'll go to Golden Corral three times a week. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that could cause someone to stumble too. Should we not eat? Y'all, the point is this, it's a slippery slope. Anything can be a stumbling block. Anything, two things look for. Does it cause peace? Does it cause mutual upbuilding? Does it build you up? Does it build them up? If it does, absolutely enjoy it. I think we as a capital C church sometimes take this too far. I know some schools where if you're a student there, you can have no alcohol. Even if you're 40, it could get you kicked out. I know some churches, I love them. But if you're on their staff and you have any alcohol at all, you can get fired. Do y'all know Jesus can't work there? You know, if Jesus was like, here's my resume, you'd be like, not holy enough, sorry. Like, guys, we got to settle down with this. Jesus started his public ministry with a visual involving alcohol, water to wine. All throughout, he references it. How did he end his public ministry? The Last Supper. What did he have at the Last Supper? Wine. It begins, is in the middle, and ends with wine. He loved to talk about it. He compared it to the Holy Spirit. He compared it to joy. He compared it to mirth. Y'all are like, amen. Amen. Let's move on. Let's move on. Those are the things I want you to know. Peace, mutual upbuilding. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars. These are going to be our water jars. You all cool with this? Okay, that's going to be our water jar. Um, used for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, hey, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Does Jesus seem a little extra right now? Just a little bit, 150 gallons worth he just makes. He has the servants do it. And then when they make it, he's like, hey, take it to that guy. Who is that guy? Who's the master of the ceremony? That is the person who's in charge of the party. That's the person whose whole job it is, is to make sure the party is going. That person has failed. Jesus is seeing how we can compare it. Meaning, look who's running the party now. It's failing. He's clueless. It's a terrible party. Look what I can do. I want to ask you, take a second and look at whatever is running your party. Maybe it's Instagram. Maybe it's comparison. Maybe it's your identity saying, I have to be a good mom. I have to be a good dad. Maybe it's keep, hey, keep grinding at work. Keep getting the promotions. It will only last so long. At some point, it's going to fail. At some point, it's going to let you down. At some point, it's going to disappoint you. When Jesus goes to the master and says, look, Try my wine. He's showing I'm the true Lord of the feast. I'm the true Lord of the wine, the true master of ceremonies. I run the party. I come to bring joy. Did you know that's what what you've rejected? Did you know that guy is who you're slow to follow? The thrower of the party. The one who can make 150 gallons of the best choice, amazing, delicious wine without even batting his eye. Y'all, we all look for something to keep our party going. And it's going to run out. You want true joy? You want full life? You want hope? You want, you want a joy that no one can take away? Follow Jesus. Commit to him. Go all in with him. You'll never be searching again. You'll never be wondering, why is, the, why is the party running out? I thought this was the thing. I thought this relationship was going to get me through. I thought this job was finally going to do it. I thought if I just went back to school, everything would work out. Who's running the party? He was running the party. Back to the text. He didn't realize where it had come from. They're the servants who had drawn the water new. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Is this in the Bible? Can they say that? Do you hear what he said? He's like, you're supposed to bring the good stuff out first. Everyone have a drink or two. And then you bring out the cheap stuff. And at that point, nobody's going to notice. That's what he's saying. I want you to notice something. Even if it's at the end of the party, it's never too late for Jesus Christ. You may feel like you've gone too far. You may feel like you've been at another party for too long, a different lifestyle, chasing something else to fulfill you. And you may say, oh, it's too late. It is never later, late enough if Jesus is involved. There's always time. And I wanted you to know his grace is enough. He's always able to fill your cup. He's always able to swoop in at the last minute, but he brought the good stuff. Y'all the good stuff. Turn to your neighbor, say the good stuff. Like the top shelf good stuff. Not the, eh, not the Miller light, not the Bud light, not the PBR, not the shock top, not the Natty light, the good stuff. Some of y'all are like, how does Pastor T know this? Is he even a Christian? Is he, is he going to heaven? <laughs> the point is this. Jesus brought stuff so good, everyone stopped and said, well, what is that? I wanted you to know when you finally taste Jesus, everyone will say, well, what's that? What is different about you? This is like nothing you've ever experienced. Why are you acting different? Why, why, are, you so, why are you so less? What, 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 what's happening here? It'll absolutely change everything. It'll change everything. So you've been trying to do it yourself. You've been trying to provide for yourself, be your own Lord and Savior. This is where you're going to end up. Dry, bored, frustrated, in a tight spot, empty, grasping. What Jesus provides is better than anything this world has to offer. I came to tell you, go to him and ask him to fill your cup. You've been going to other things. You've been going to Instagram, fill my cup. You've been going to work. I just need you to fill my cup. You've been going to that relationship. I just need you to fill my cup. You've been going to this and that. Can you just fill my cup? Can you just top me off? I just need a little bit. If you go to Jesus, you will never thirst again. You will never thirst again. Let him fill your cup. Verse 11, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And the disciples believed in him. He revealed his glory. He didn't really do anything. He said, servants, can you fill this up? Th- they believe th- that caused them to say, oh, now we get it. Now we see who you are. Not raising someone from the dead. That's what I would have thought. Not walking on water, not healing the blind. This, a party is dying. Jesus is like, I'll help. And now his disciples are like, okay, we believe now. We've seen it. We get it. What exactly is going on here? In order to see what's going on, we've got to go back to verse 3 and 4. Follow me there. It says, this is at the start of the story. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? He replied, my hour has not yet come. Translations try to soften it. Dear woman, but no, it's, he says woman. It's a little harsh. It's very uncharacteristic. It's, it's a little out of the place. It seems like he's focused on something else. What is he actually thinking of? Well, let me ask you this. What do you think of at a wedding? You think about your own wedding. If you're married, you think back, it's oh, old, it's so cute, it's so romantic. You think of your own wedding. If you're not married, what do you think about? You think about your future wedding. Oh, it's going to be like this. I ain't having that gaudy thing over there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it like that. That's what you think about. I wanted you to know Jesus is thinking about his wedding. And you're like, did Jesus get married? What? Jesus is thinking of his wedding at the end of time. Because scripture says, at the end, the bride, the church, is married to the bridegroom, that's God. In this joyful union that nothing can ever separate or tear apart, heaven is described as a wedding feast. Not it starts with a wedding feast and it kind of trickles down. The whole thing is described as a party, as a wedding feast, with dancing, relationships, food, wine, the party. Jesus is thinking of that. But he says something about his hour. My hour has not yet come. It almost seems to be like, don't bother me now. I'm not ready to do miracles yet. But in the gospel of John, whenever Jesus says my hour, my time, my hour, he's referring to something very specific. He's referring to his suffering. He's referring to his death. He's referring to his death on the cross that he knew he was going to go through. But why is he talking about his hour here? Mary essentially says, hey, they're out of wine. And Jesus essentially says, uh, why are you involving me? My, My suffering isn't ready yet. Hey, hey, we're out of wine, Jesus. It's not my time to die yet. What an odd thing to say so out of character. Here's what he's realizing. He's realizing what it's going to take for this wedding at the end of time to happen. He's seen what it's going to take for this wedding of God and his people to come together forever. He's realizing he is going to have to provide the wine. He is the only one to provide the wine, to provide his blood poured out on the cross for this party to happen. Look at the first thing that must happen for this party. First off, we got to realize we're empty. We got to realize I'm my own Lord. I'm my own savior. Something ain't working. Something's off. It doesn't feel right. I don't have that joy. Something's broken in the system. That's the first step. We have to acknowledge we're spiritually dead, spiritually bankrupt, dead in our sins, and turn to Jesus for help. And he's realizing in order to save the party, in order to throw this wedding feast, he is going to have to provide the wine. He provided it on the cross. You see, Jesus lived this perfect life. He died this perfect death. He died as our substitute. We deserved death. We deserve judgment from God. We deserve separation from God. Jesus took our sin on his shoulders and died in our place so that we may have access to the Father. So that we can be invited to the wedding, so to speak. How do I know this isn't a stretch? Look at what they used. Look, it says six stone jars, the kind used for ceremonial washing. They were for purification. That's what they use him for. Jesus is saying, if you want to be purified, if you want to be cleansed, if you want to be able to stand in the presence of God, if you want new life, you got to get involved with this. And only I can provide it. That's what he's saying. He's revealing himself to be as his calling card, that he is the true master of Of the ceremonies. The true Lord of the wine, the true Lord of the feast, his sacrifice, his love, his gift provides the wine, enables this party, this wedding to happen. Did you notice how much wine it was? It's a little extra 150 gallons. They had already had plenty. Jesus is throwing out 150 gallons. Do you see the comparison here? When you are your own Lord and Savior, when you're running the show, when you're running the party, you have nothing. No, I got a little bit. It says we're bankrupt, nothing, broke, absolutely empty. But let's compare that to Jesus, life with him. Does he say, I'll give you a little bit? You see, when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, when he is the true master of your ceremonies, he wants to pour some grace on you. And some of you have come to faith in Christ, but you just expect a little sip here and there, a little bit here. Had a bad week, need some encouragement. God's like, okay, here's a little bit. I'm down my faith. Okay, there's just a little touch for you. I think it's what we expect. I think that's what we expect. But this is what God wants to do in your life he wants to pour his love on you he wants to pour his grace on you he wants to lavish his love on your past on your present on your future a hundred fifty gallons worth of the choice wine to keep the party going this was just one gallon he has 150 for you that's not a magic number do you know what that means he can provide something that no one else can he provides something that will never run out do you understand that. Do you see that? Y'all, they had to watch 150 gallons get poured out. And they thought, isn't that a little extravagant? Isn't that a little much? But when they realized that this was the thing that covered their past, covered their mistakes, covered their sin, covered their guilt, covered their shame, they said, keep pouring. Keep pouring. Fill that up. That's what I need. This is a picture of salvation. We must realize our cup is empty. We must realize our party is dying. We need some help. We need some intervention. When we admit that, when we come to Jesus, he says, watch this. I want to pour some grace on you. I want to pour some love on you, on your past, on your marriage, on your children, on your finances, on your hope. He says, I want you to get your joy back. I am the master of the feast. I am the Lord of the wine. I am the master of the ceremonies. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus showed them, I come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's who he is. This is the grace of our God. That's what I want you to feel. That's what I want you to experience in worship. When you doubt, when you're fearful, when you're in your quiet time, in your group, when you're serving, that not God gives you a little sip here and there, that he just wants to pour it on you. 150 gallons worth of the choice wine, the choice good stuff that gives you joy, that gives you life, that nothing can ever take from you. Nothing or anybody could ever take from you. His grace is enough. Church, may we be a church that realizes that he comes to bring our joy, that he comes to bring us new life. And may we be a people that turns to him and him alone to fill our cup. That's what I want you to ask him today. That's what I want you to ask him this week. Jesus, fill my cup. I've been looking to other things. I've been looking to other people. I've been looking to other places to be fulfilled, to to be my own lord and savior. It's not working. I'm desperate. Jesus, will you fill my cup? He wants to lavish his grace on your life. He is the Lord of the feast. He's the true Lord of the party. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact the city and beyond, you can do so at our website, AscentChurch.net. We hope to see you soon.